Ni hao and Happy New Year. The Chinese one, of course, and for those unfamiliar with it or living under a rock, it's a wild ride. During this time, millions of people in China and other parts of the world head home to visit family, venerate ancestors, and party hard for 15 days. But what does this mean for the supply chain, and how can the year of the rabbit translate into a few months of shipping delays? Well, folks, strap in. We're going to find out in this episode of Loaded and Rolling. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host. Thomas Watson. Now, the Chinese New Year began on Sunday, January 22nd, and typically lasts seven days. But for those who think it finished up, think again, as many in China will actually celebrate it for two weeks until the Lantern Festival, which happens on February 5th. During, the, during these events, of course, though, there's an annual migration of millions of Chinese people from the city into the countryside to visit their friends, family, relatives, alive and dead, to celebrate on this two-week-long festival. But for those in the supply chain, this can directly translate into shipping delays as factories and ports see a sharp decrease in activity in the weeks leading up to and after Chinese New Year. But as often the case in transportation, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Shenzhen, then truckload volumes in Los Angeles and then the rest of the country will be impacted. We are in luck, though, because we're going to learn what's in store for this year shortly. And joining me to talk about how Chinese New Year impacts the supply chain and what it means is Christopher Thornycroft, Executive Vice President at Redwood. Now, he's been with Redwood Logistics for over 19 years and has an extensive experience in carrier operations. Welcome, Chris. Super excited to have you on as as well. Uh, You know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, 19 years, that's more like 40 years in normal people industry. I always joke logistics. We always go in like dog years. Yeah, well, you know, uh, fortunately, I'm at a place where everything's changing. So it doesn't quite catch up to me like that. Uh, so I'm a little lucky for, uh, for having that. Um, I think the, uh, the biggest difference gets felt around the holidays, where, uh, where these days I'm actually uh, able to engage with my family, which is like this uh, unique, unique thing compared to back in the day when we were an eight-person company and was uh, just take the, uh, take the night phone or the weekend phone for an entire Christmas holiday or Thanksgiving holiday and uh, try to pop on in, uh, have a shot of tequila with everyone, and then get back to work. So, uh, you know, it's been great uh, watching this place grow, being a part of it, and being able to see all the new people come on in year after year, start building up careers in this really, really incredible, uh, dynamic, and, and proven to be extremely durable uh, industry that we're all working in. I like the comments on taking time off. When I started in trucking, uh, it was I had to work Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's all back to back with 12 hours. And they're like, well, we'll try to give you like maybe a third of the day off, but we'll bring you some food. I was like, oh, thanks, guys. So it's like the longer you stick around, you may finally have normal time off work. But when you're starting out, it gets a little wild. Yeah. You, well, I think you just get better at planning it, right? You just understand, uh, you just understand these ebbs and flows that are coming. That when we start, it's like, Things like a Chinese New Year, we have no idea what these things are, you know, and I think just the amount of transparency now that's in the industry has changed a lot of that, too. You know, Freightways being a big part of that, just having some of these uh, having some of these events being broadcast out. So all these organizations are starting to plan for these things and not just little niches saying like, hey, wait a second, this is going to impact this. And you have a shipper saying, hey, is this right? And lots of emails going back and forth. Hey, have you heard this? Is this correct? 
Uh, now it's almost like we've centralized our information. So you have a lot more people working in lockstep uh, together than, than we used to, at least uh, over the last 20 years. I can tell you that's changed a lot. And from your experience, especially with Chinese New Year, um, I like your comments on how it's finally taking more of an interest than before is something that happened. Uh, how have you observed it? Uh, you know, back when you first started out, was this even like a big deal to watch or has it really just escalated as we, we've had more you know, reliance on China for uh, imports? Well, it, it's, been a, it's been a big deal. But back when I was first in uh, carrier sales and then starting to watch the market as time went on, to me, I didn't know anything about Chinese New Year. I just looked and was like, ah, this is East Coast port season. This, like, I don't know what causes it. They're like, oh, what is that? I'm like, no idea. No idea. New Jersey's going to be tight. No idea. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I think that the awareness of it has definitely changed. But I think that the impact we've been we've always been feeling. Uh, it's not like we it's not like China became a major trade partner in the last 20 years, uh, although Probably there has been some increased reliance uh, on China as a trade partner, maybe not since 2019, since the uh, tariffs went into play. And, uh, you know, really the executive office was trying to, I think, decouple is, is probably too big of a word, but reduce our dependency on, on China as a trade partner. That's definitely taken place over the years. Um, I, I think obviously what we're watching as far as uh, as far as. Shippers moving, uh, moving their imports from East Coast to West Coast, or from sorry, from West Coast to East Coast, has been a major change. And just taking a look at the Port of Los Angeles uh, import tracker today, some of the numbers coming in for the next uh, few weeks are some of the lowest we've ever seen uh, that are coming on into the West Coast. A lot of that has to do with the labor concerns over there, obviously, and just the leftover sentiment that existed from the snarl of congestion when we had over a hundred uh, container ships sitting at anchor. But that, uh, but sending that freight on over even more so to the East Coast. Pretty interesting being that there was a pretty big push on that anyway uh, with the Lunar New Year push of freight that took place. And looking into that as well, uh, looking at those uh, Los Angeles port volumes, I think that's amazing because like, I feel like half the battle right now is we're coming off of two years of everything being extremely crazy. And it does feel kind of like a crystal ball sometimes. What is it going to look like now? Is it going to go back to where it was before? Are we going to see like an elevated amount like – uh, on your end as well, when trying to make planning, uh, even as a brokerage, like, uh, what do you base that on? Do we like go back in time to the crystal ball like five years ago and see if any of those trends still hold up? Well, I mean, there's a lot of stools to that freight market. You know, I, I think that it's really, are you looking at those in balance and are you also understanding that there's, there are no constants? Uh, if When we take a look at markets, and I'm sure everyone over at uh, FreightWaves doing the same, the one thing that you know is that you can always point to a year and say, hey, this is the reason why this is different. And then, hey, back in 2021, we actually got a uh, stimulus check in March at the same time that there was a freeze in Texas. So that's why that market's different. And then, hey, if you go back to 2020, it's COVID. And if you talk about 2019, well, that's actually a trade war. And if you talk about 2018, that's when ELDs were implemented. And then if you're talking about 2017, you're talking about Hurricane Harvey coming and knocking off energy production. Oh, and by the way, 2016, you're talking about a freight recession again. There's always these, there's always these variables out there. Uh, they've existed every single year that we've been doing this. There's very, it's, it's very rare that you would have what you would say, here's just your constant over the course of the year and everything is normalized. And you can just look at that one index or that one metric and say, well, that tells the story and that story should be the same year after year after year after year. You really have to evaluate 
what was happening, uh, what was happening as a whole in the freight market, in the economy, in the world, and be kind of evaluating which which indexes, which metrics that you're looking at. I, I think a lot of the metrics that we're looking at right now, as far as for what's coming on up, you know, there's a lot of them that uh, that look that look negative. It's tough to see right now what that near term increase of freight volumes would be just when you're looking at things like industrial production, personal consumption of durable goods, you know, uh, inventory to sales ratio, just what's happening with the Fed and interest rates and how that's tying up capital expenditures. Um, so yeah, it, you know, take all of those into account, watch all of those. Uh, we definitely watch OTVI. We watch the OT, the OTRI, the IOTI, every single, every one of those abbreviations that you can come up with DATs load to truck, all of these things. But again, they're all parts of the whole, and you have to uh, you have to really know what was happening at that time uh, in order to evaluate it. Uh, funny enough, I, I'm kind of starting to ramble and take away your time over here. But one of the things that we used to do um, back before we had cool things like OTRI or anything like that to look at, um, we used to just write it all down. We used to just do a monthly recap and just write down every single event that happened over the course of that month, send that out to each other, and we collected those over the years just to be able to try to put together some of those patterns that uh, that took place. And that was uh, a lot of manual gathering, data gathering. You guys made our lives a lot easier. I like it. I think there, well, I always think it's important. There's two types of data. You have like your qualitative and quantitative and having that kind of, like you said earlier, trying to find normalcy. I got a chart. I actually did my homework. I watched your video, uh, the Redwood one, and um, talking about OTVI. So we're going to throw the OTVI chart up there. Uh, with volume uh, indexes. And if you look at the far left, well, the one that looks like it's shaded, that's us. And then, like you said, trying to predict what it all means. Uh, <laughs> if you're looking at the ones up top, we have this entire narrative. So I, I do like the fact that, like you said, I can show you these graphs, but the graphs are only as useful as what you can identify what's going on. You see one of the blues going up because of COVID. You see the sky high 2021, we're all stuck at home. And we also see you know, it starting moving back down uh, in uh, 2022 because of inflation. So uh, that's fascinating. I love the story how you guys wrote it down because you do almost need both of that. I totally forgot about uh, 2017. I was an analyst at the time and uh, it was so nuts uh, that when the hurricanes hit and stuff, you could just throw anything on the wall and it would stick. It was wild. Yeah, uh, pretty funny too. When you look back at that OTVI chart, the one thing that you see is that you see traditionally, uh, you know, for the most part, you see February being that month that uh, slows down. Uh, and, you know, I, I tell people over here, we spend about, I spend about 11 months out of the year dreading February, both because I live in Chicago and that's the weather and I don't have any Bears Super Bowls to look at. Uh, and also because of the fact that freight volumes traditionally dip and that's just not as, uh, that's not as good an environment over here. You know, we, we like it when freight volumes are high. Everyone likes it when freight volumes are high. That's a lot more activity. That's a lot more, that's a lot more production. Uh, great for everyone. So we're coming up on my least favorite month of the year. Uh, I'm not going to be spending this one in Miami. That's a drag. It would be really nice to be uh, down there. But uh, instead, it's uh, zero degrees over here, and we're just keeping an eye on uh, on those freight volumes. Saw that the OTVI was uh, over 10,500 this morning when I took a look, so I was glad to see that. Uh, you know, I think that that's a uh, there's a there's a question that there is as far as like. How much of that is is going to change in as far as 
how much of that volume starts to go from that contract to spot side? Uh, and I think that's what will be a, a major question for February that uh, we'll probably start to get some answers on as some shippers start to test out or continue to test out some of those uh, lower volume lanes that they have, especially before a before they're starting to award new quarterly awards for that would go live Q2 and really just start to test that market out. So uh, I think there's some interesting stuff that's going to happen. I think the shipper behavior is is really important. I got another chart, which was outbound rejections. So you're talking about, we've been dealing with uh, outbound rejections and volumes relative to each other. And one of the biggest challenges is you're like 3.75% on the rejections. It's, it should be the next slide. That one's the volume one. Oh, wait, is that the rejection? That is 3.75%. No, that's the rejections. <laughs> Can't read yeah. my own charts over. You should yeah. see the tiny screen on this. But <laughs> to me, that that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, when you have a 45 cent spread between contract and spot freight, why would you reject it? You're gobbling it up. I spoke with one of some of my buddies from a large carrier. And, you know, when we say what a 3.7 means versus a five or an eight, operationally to them, when you fill a bucket with uh, 2,500 trucks and about 7,000 loads per week, uh, that minutia, that change could be hundreds of loads, hundreds of loads in the spread. Now you're on the spot. And as a large carrier, you're on the spot. You're going out of network. Now, as a broker, though, that's a really cool opportunity. But also, I remember when I was an account executive, these February doldrums aren't as good because you're always getting undercut by other brokers. So it's almost one of those things where you want that movement. You want that increase and decrease in volumes and rejection because as a broker, you can make margin off of the upward or downward movement in that lag time. It's like commodities trading. You want everyone to be able to predict it. Yeah, and the one thing about all those is that those are on those moving averages, so they don't they don't always capture everything in that real time. So it's really using those and making sure that. Uh, but you know, like anything else, you use those. You want to be able to evaluate them. It helps tell you. It helps tell the story as to what's happening. Um, but a seven day moving average, a lot a lot can happen in seven days. We've got Texas freezing right now. Uh, what will happen with that? It's supposed to freeze from Texas all the way to Virginia. We've got an office in Dallas that uh, we made sure stay did uh, remote work over the course of today uh, to make, and, and possibly beyond, seeing how things go, just because we didn't want to even have people get sent on over to the office and then possibly have treacherous conditions coming back or anything. So, you know, it's serious enough that uh, it's serious enough that people are not going to their offices in Dallas. Uh, what will bear out over the next couple of days? We'll find out. Exactly. I know it was all the way. So I was on Sirius and I was uh, yesterday I was hosting Sirius XM and they have a little weather update, but I'm going through the media inbox and we hit the National Weather Service thing coming through on the, the winter. So it was literally the, the winter storm warnings were all the way from Dallas, Muskogee, parts of the Ozarks, like Mark Twain country, uh, you know, into Arkansas. And as a driver, you're the one who wants to go under I-40. You want to stay near Dallas. And so that's like the worst situation possible when that place freezes. But even for y'all as well. Uh, planning-wise, weather, uh, especially in what we're seeing, has been making a huge impact lately, or always in terms of volumes, but recognizing that and then trying to predict it could be a good opportunity. It's like, you know when to hit the gas in the corner almost if you can see how this weather impacts freight volumes. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I, I would say not in, a, not in this, call it middle-low environment, you know, mid-to-low environment, not in this uh, very low environment of outbound tender rejections. I mean, you can make all the plans that you want us. Hey, this is going to affect capacity in Dallas. And, oh, we, you know, should we be taking that? You, we know that every provider out there that's being that's being offered loads is going after them as much as possible, whether the, whether you're a broker, whether you're a carrier. Um, 
people are grabbing people are grabbing what they can right now. Um, there's still a there is still a surplus of capacity that's uh, that's in the market right now. I, I think that that's going to influence our behaviors uh, for quite some time. I think that's going to override. I think that's going to override most uh, sentiment there is. I mean, if we want evidence of it, just take a look at the beginning of the month of January. The DAT load to truck over five to one for two consecutive weeks in a row. Yet we didn't see anything really move that much on the outbound tender rejection index. So that means to uh, that means to us that people are still hanging in the seat, hanging in that uh, cockpit as long as they can uh, before having to press that eject button. Exactly. You just take it all, and even if you have to reschedule it, like what you're seeing with the smaller carriers, this has been. So as the trucking expert, half of my battle, it's like instead of where in the world is Carmen San Diego, it's where in the world is the owner operators uh, going because it's hard to find them. You know, we know they're there, but it's hard to observe them. They're like electrons in quantum theory. They just pop around and they leave and they come. Uh, in your experience, anecdotally, uh, you know, is there anything on a broker's side to watch to see if a carrier is likely to go out or you normally just see it like less calls if the load's posted or Maybe your routing guide gets thinner. How do you normally, what are ways you can tell if enough capacity has left the market, at least in the environment of, you know, slinging in the trenches? Uh, well, first off, I just appreciate a quantum phys- physics uh, mention as well as a Mark Twain mention. This is uh, this is by far the most enlightened conversation I think we're going to have today. Um, as far as keeping track of the owner-operator population, um, you know, keeping track of the owner-operator population, as you said, very difficult. We don't really even have... Uh, metrics to track it. We do have our own trucking company, obviously, though, in FX, uh, who it runs both uh, company drivers, owner operators. And so that's really our main source of information as far as how many owner operators are coming to uh, FX on a regular basis or trying to come to FX on a regular basis and become company drivers. I think you can keep an eye on that with some of the data that's out there as far as, uh, as, far as truckload employment, though, as well. As that starts to swell, that's likely, especially over the last few months, that's likely been owner-operators moving on over into those larger assets where they have that safe harbor of uh, contract freight footprint. Um, you know, so again, difficult to difficult to keep an eye on. Most of our owner-operators communicate with us on a pretty regular basis as far as, hey, you know, I, I might be shutting on down, you know, and stay in touch with us that way. Um, but it's loose. It's loose, right? It's a lot of feel. Um, and I I think that we see it's tough too, because say a DAT load to truck ratio, a really great metric that people have used for years. Um, but DAT is, you know, a a fairly expensive product for a owner operator. So is that even capturing that network all that well, or is that capturing a different, a different type of network out there? Um, tough to, uh, tough to say. I remember back when I was a broker, I did a little stint at Arrive uh, as a carrier rep and an operations account executive. And the funniest thing I learned was we would go for DAT if we were posting above the Mason-Dixon, Midwest, and Northeast. But in the South, an open deck, for some reason, they all preferred truck stop. And it was this weird kind of zonal thing where you're trying to make sense of it. And they're like, okay, what does truck stop say? And then you'd look at freight waves and be like, all right, well, I don't have any contract freight. Let me figure that part out too. And like, okay, statistically, I may be screwed today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and then it's, uh, hey, can someone just please pick up a phone and dial somebody, right? I mean, that's what it all comes down to it after all of that. I'm looking at like, here's a funny one. I'm trying to get a hold. So I talked with Marilyn Serber with 10th Street uh, yesterday, and I asked her as well, I was like, are you getting a lot of applications? And so I told her my quest to find the holy grail of where in the world is the owner operator. And she said that uh, uh, they're getting tons of applications, but 
uh, they're going to have to dig and see if they're applications for drivers or applications for owner-operators or lease purchase ones because I'd love to see. Uh, you'll hear like Avery Vice and a few other FTR and a few other companies, they'll do net revocations of operating authority. Yeah. But that doesn't tell the whole story because I can sit on my MC. So I'm like, well, maybe Reliance has the data because if people stop paying, but I don't think they'd share that because then it shows that like business conditions, because that's the first thing to go. You just stop paying your insurance. You just park your truck somewhere and hide. So uh, I, I like the info you're giving me as well from your end, because as a broker, I remember when I first started out, you find owner ops. Your job was to help keep them moving. That's how you learned. You'd have like five owner ops. That's five loads per day. You're, you're doing some, you know, and you build exactly. up from there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, uh, generally when you start, those are the only people that are going to listen to you, or at least those are the only people that listen to me. I couldn't get a like re- reputable asset online that was going to talk to me when I first started. It was just here's a guy, and he needs to, and he needs to go from point A to point B. That was about all my skill set could help with. So that's that's kind of as you said. That's kind of when you when you come into this industry, you probably have a better feel of the owner op- operator network than you do ten years later, right? Exactly. I think the biggest irony is even with my job now as the trucking expert, it's hard to get a hold of large trucking companies that want to talk to you. So I'm like, oh, this is this is just like the good old days. Let me call you up. You want to talk? No, nah, I got earnings coming up. I can't say anything I'm like, dang it. So, yep. um, yeah. you know, uh, looking at from Redwood perspective, are, is there any cool things y'all are working on technology, new company uh, uh, news and stuff that you're able to share with us here while we got you on? Uh, I mean, as far as technology goes, you know, all the interviews that you guys are doing with Eric Rimpel and our team are are always spot on. Um, we're we're growing every single day. Uh, we're developing new platforms every single day, and we're trying to we're really trying to take El Pass and, and make that be something that's uh, just known in the market. Um, this is going to be this is going to be a time of change, uh, time to build. You know, usually uh, down markets, which this appears to be one so far, at least. Usually down markets is when you see the most amount of change be built for on the go forward. I think you're going to see tons of offerings like that from Redwood. Um, and, you know, there there will be a lot of people like me that are uh, that are just getting through our, our day to day and planning out our planning out our strategic end for tomorrow. Um, and there's going to be a lot of innovation that's that's going to be made in the space. I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting what exactly happens with some of the fintech products just with uh, with interest rates rising, the, the need to show the need to show profitability. Um, sometimes brokerage is uh, looked at as maybe not the sexiest thing out there in the market, but uh, you know, brokerage is a way where you can actually deliver, uh, can actually deliver some profitability. Although there's some uh, companies in the space that have gotten by for a lot of years without having to do that. We'll see how that uh, we'll see how that plays for uh, 2023. Um, be interested to see uh, which companies stay and which companies go. But uh, we'll be here for a long time. Like the Clash song, should I stay or should I go? Final thought, Freight Hot There we go. Another great reference. Another great reference. There we go. Keep them coming, Thomas. I got some coffee today. We got two more minutes. We're going to make the most out of it. (laughs) Uh, Final thoughts. It's the year of the rabbit or the hare, depending upon. Is it going to be a tortoise or a hare? And secondly, is it good that Chinese imports are slowing because of the new year because we have too much inventory anyway? Well, um, so let's start with the first one. Is it going to be a tortoise or a hare? Right now, it's a tortoise. Um, does it have the potential to be a hare on the back end? Um, you know, I, I really think that the biggest thing that we have to look at is what's going to happen with inflation. Because until inflation drops, um, you're going to see the, the Fed continue to raise rates, although sentiment seems to be that, that those rate increases are going to slow a bit. Um, that's good. 
if those if you start to see the Fed, the Fed really ease off and say, hey, listen, we've gotten inflation to roughly, say, a four percent uh, mark, which would represent incredible, incredible progress. And then if they do back off, then you'll see some of that CapEx mark uh, money come into the market. And if that happens, that has the potential to turn this market into a hair, um, possibly even more so than that uh, return on the, on the personal consumption side goes. So tale of two halves, lot to lot to be seen out there. Um, will, uh, will Chinese New Year's slowdown impact inventories in a positive way? You know, we have no real signs of uh, restocking that have taken place yet. And until there are signs of restocking, it's tough to say that that is going yeah. to have that substantial impact. So, um, you know, uh, I think that I, I think just that shift from goods to services that's taking place right now, that could be interesting. Um, and, sorry, and it hasn't taken place right now. If you tried to get a restaurant yeah. reservation in the last few months, well, you know that people are going on out no matter what. Oh, go ahead, please. We'll definitely keep an eye. I got 20 seconds. That's why I didn't mean to cut you off. Today, oh, there we go. Chris, we thanks go. so much for coming on the show. Check them out at Redwood Logistics. Use them, use them, book them, let them teach you a thing or two. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show as well. It's going to be a wrap today, of course, uh, but we're going to be back next Tuesday at like 1 p.m. Eastern. Also, the newsletter, it's now once a week, Thursdays. Join us next week, though, because we're going to do it live.